0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Faith Church podcast. My name is Robbie, and with me today is
1: Jeff Klossy. Jeff, how are you doing, buddy? Hey, Robbie. Good morning. It's awesome to be with you. I am well. I am really well. How are you doing?
0: I am doing great. It is good to be back. I feel like it has been a month of Sundays since I have been able to sit across the microphone from you and so this is this is a delight I'm looking forward to this morning
1: that same word was coming to my head as you were I was saying this is like it's so good to have you back I'm excited to as all the things that you learned at seminary uh (laughs) go through you over the next days and weeks and months I'm excited to learn as you've learned but uh it's so good to just have you back present in the office but then just as a friend in the area it's just awesome so I'm glad you're back
0: thanks buddy yeah, it's good to be here. And it's good it's good for me to get away and get time talking about all the things that 95% of the people around me would find tedious and unhelpful and I can sit around with with other cerebral people and talk about those things that I get excited about that n- almost nobody else gets excited about. So um, yeah, that's nobody, nobody around me is gonna is gonna geek out on, uh, on a discussion of the influence of latitudinarianism on uh, the On the longitudinism Turn was pretty You turned that into a geographical bit. Yeah. That was good. I didn't see that coming. I did um, not see that coming. Um, so this last Sunday, um, we we began kind of the third triad of the of the basics series, where we've first one was unpacking who we are in Christ because of the gospel, um, and then how, the mission that we are on, uh, the methods that we use in that, and and how we measure success in in terms of the fruit of the spirit that's born out of that, and then now we've gotten into the probably the most hyper practical of the three, um, w- what what we do to foster those things in in our own hearts and so you you kicked off um that trilogy if you will with word on sunday and i i thought you did a really phenomenal job but i know that whenever we do this there's always things that are left on the cutting room floor that we wish we had more time for um was there something that that was was left in your notes or maybe even afterward you were looking back and thinking, man, I really wish I had more time to unpack this idea when talking about how we relate to to God's word. Yeah. I
1: mean, this, this one, I, as I was thinking and writing and praying, God, what do you want me to say more than any other sermon so far that I've given here? I felt like I had enough content for like a month worth of sermons. And so there's a lot I'm really thankful for where God led it. And I, I hope that you know, for people listening that that it stirred you and in your, in your desire to be in the word and to be with God in the word. But, you know, one of the passages that I just didn't have time to look at is in Luke 10. And it's this kind of, it's amazing interaction between Jesus and Martha and Mary. And uh, basically the, the, the scene is that Martha is serving, like Jesus is in the home. Martha is serving, and she's disturbed that Mary is not serving with her. Hmm. Mary is actually busy um, sitting at Jesus's feet, listening to him, teach. And um, this is what Jesus says uh, to her, to Martha, says,But this is in verse 41 of Luke 10. It says, "But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. And I'm just really struck by that. One thing is necessary. He didn't say two things or three things, but one yeah. thing. And that's Mary, you know, sitting at Jesus's feet, listening to him teach. For us today, you know, if Jesus were in the family room down the hall right now, I would be there. right? <laughs> and Robbie, yeah. we'd all be there listening no offense, at his feet, right? This like, Mike would have nobody sitting in front yeah, of him. Yeah, that's what we'd be doing. And so I think the equivalent for us today is is to approach the word of God like we were talking about on Sunday. So relationally and transformationally, nutritionally, that we're feeding on it and and actually realizing and trusting that we're hearing from Jesus. That when we do that, we're sitting at our Lord's feet in a, in a posture of like submission, but love and attention and focus. And then the serving in our life and all the obedience flows out of that. So Jesus wasn't at all telling Martha, well, service isn't good. <laughs> How dare you serve people? Right. But it was just the order. And sometimes our service can become an obstacle to intimacy with Jesus, oddly. Absolutely. Uh, but so, yeah, that was one of the things that that I just felt like it's worth talking about, but we just didn't have time.
0: That's really good because it's, it's so true that we can get so busy with, even with church work. Yes. Right. With churchy activities that we don't actually spend time with Jesus. We're just, we're too busy doing other things. and. And Jesus acknowledged, like Jesus Himself says, Mary chose better in this scenario. Just being with me is the better choice, and uh, and that's just. I think that's so easy to forget. We can even if we do approach Scripture, often we approach that as the means to another end, right? It's so I can uh, gain more knowledge, or I can have more discernment in making this decision. Uh, in this thing, that is really what I want. And instead of understanding, instead of looking at Scripture as an end in and of itself, um, not in the sense that Scripture is the end, but that the end is intimacy with Jesus, just time with Jesus, growing in my understanding of Him, my my love for Him, and my uh, and and my knowledge of Him—not my knowledge about Him, but my knowledge of Him.
1: It's interesting how. Much, I think with this topic, more than most, we need to nuance our language so much. Like you just had a yeah. lot of nuance there, which <laughs> is really, is really important though, because the word has been, I mean, just because of us as humans being dusty, being having this Adamic residue, right, that we are broken on us, we end up using what is such a treasure from God and a gift in ways that don't bring life to us and other people. And so like the That's ways right. you said it's not, Exactly it's it's we need to approach that's why how we think about it when we come to it is so crucial. And, and I'm talking from my own experience. This is stuff that for me, were hard lessons learned as I follow Jesus and yep. I think I'm still learning them. It's not like I'm ever done. Absolutely. but I remember a moment when I realized like a like the the switch flipped for me that my primary interaction with the word was one of intellect and curiosity and and mm-hmm. almost zero, acknowledgement of the personal source and the, 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 God who was right next to me as I read it. Yeah. And it just, it was such a vivid moment, partly because I'm just wired as a learner. I'm wired to study. I love it. Um, I know I'm tire of it, but that part of me needs to be, when I come to the word, it needs to be again, nuanced and directed towards this relational knowledge of God, not just the of, but mm. like an actual connection. Or about, but an of, like a relational yeah. knowing a person. Yeah, because it's it,
0: it's so easy to approach it from the wrong perspective, either self glorification, right, uh, or uh, self affirmation. I just want to find agreement for my particular positions in there, and that ends up being in like condemning others, right? It's then I end up weaponizing yes. the word against other people instead of allowing the word to humble me which which increases my my understanding of the gospel my delight in the gospel and and my love therefore for other people as a result of that instead of um using it to 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 build a dividing wall like which the bible itself says christ came to tear down the the wall of division we end up using the word in order to build walls of division between us and others um when we aren't approaching it as you know from those first three things right that that we belong to jesus Mm -hmm. right and our goal is to be with jesus and and ultimately he is empowering us to become like jesus that is the the um, perspective that i need to have the posture that i need to have as i'm approaching the word in order to avoid falling in some of these other pitfalls that are so easy to to
1: stumble into yeah that's really well said i mean I, i it's just we become legalists and nitpickers. (laughs) I don't know if that's the best way of saying it, but you know, we're just, we're worried about other people, what they think of it. And if we understand it correctly, when those things are important, it's again, it's not, it's like with my furnace, the repairs need to be done well. And, uh, but, but really there's going to be this, this space where the reality is none of us, None of us have mastered this book. There isn't a person alive who has because it's ultimately not just about, can you say it? Can you spit it out? Can you get the right answer on a test? It's about this experience of Jesus and a living walk with him. And thank God we all can grow and grow and grow in that forever, right? And we get more and more and more of him forever.
0: And we'll continue to grow and grow and grow. It's not like when I enter eternity, suddenly I'm omniscient and I understand it all. I just get eternity to continue to grow in my understanding of who he is and, and who I get to be because of him. Which is pretty awesome. It's amazing. So you mentioned nuance earlier. You made a, you made a pretty nuanced statement in your sermon that I think might be helpful to unpack a little bit. Um, you, you mentioned having a series of good teachers in your walk that still missed Um, the essential aspect of being a disciple of Jesus so I imagine you've you've got three groups of people who are hearing that on Sunday morning you've got the people who are like yes totally get that I've experienced that myself and then on either side of that group you have the well that person who I respect and knows scripture and knows the bible did not ever say anything about this so I don't believe you and then on the other side, you've got the group of people that says, okay, well, this person that I respected and taught me and, and uh, you know, I believe knows scripture, never said anything about that. But you're right. I see it all over scripture and that's clearly unavoidable. And Jesus himself called us to do that. So should I reject everything that that teacher told me because they missed this essential thing? How, how do you handle both of those
1: yeah, ditches. That's a I'm glad you're asking about that because as I was thinking, writing, processing through how I wanted to communicate that, I had to rewrite that section because I do really mean the words are really important. So I really do mean that that even though I had missed and I, and I acknowledge like it could be through um, not listening well and comprehending too. Yeah. Uh, you know, we just as we grow, we hear things differently than we did before. But I had not heard a clear articulation of a vision that my life could be lived as a disciple the same way that I read in, in the Gospels and in Acts and you know, in the epistles are all addressed to disciples. I just didn't understand that. And I do really mean, even though I didn't understand that from those good teachers, that they were good. So there were other things that God used them to instill in me. Like the importance like of what I'm just talking about, the importance of... Of being in the Bible consistently now that was never framed in the sense of being in the Bible as a disciple specifically but the importance of reading it and submitting to what I read was was there I think also as a you know growing up in the church as a teenager what I was hearing again what I was hearing I'm not saying this is the only thing that was being spoken but what I was hearing was primarily directed at afterlife so yeah great confidence that god could forgive my sins great confidence that i um could be his and that when i died i would go to heaven i still have that confidence now but what i didn't hear was an, an equal confidence that life today was going to be radically different because of what he had done yeah. and that i had now become his disciple like i think the emphasis was on that and part of it was my own sin that i was wrestling with and and was, I think, being strangled by. So my focus in my walk with Jesus was very sin-focused. It was, I need to stop sinning, which is very different than living a fruitful life. Hmm. Just stopping sinning, that's not the same thing. So I was really worried about stopping sinning and dealing with my conscience. And that was a good season for me to learn about God's grace. If you get an email from me, it will be signed grace because of that, because he has instilled in me, I need his grace constantly, both in the you know forgiving sense but also in the empowering sense yeah. of grace So I don't know I'm rambling a bit but I do really mean that those teachers were good teachers it just wasn't an emphasis that I had heard hmm. did a, that answer your question Yes that's a okay. good
0: clarification that 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 we can acknowledge that none of our teachers are omniscient no none of our teachers are omnipresent none of our teachers are Jesus and so there's always going to be, gaps there's always going to be areas of either incomplete or even incorrect understanding of God that does not mean that we dismiss them entirely but it means that we don't um that that you know like like the Bereans and ask acts that we go to scripture and yes. we see is this true is this is this complete is this um you know where where is do, does this need to be rounded out and i need to listen to some other teachers to help kind of f- have a more holistic understanding rather than just trusting in that one person that they know all there is to know because the only person that that applies to is jesus yes outside of that um we we need to have grace for the people who are leading us and discipling
1: us that they are not jesus yet they aren't and they (laughs) never will be and and you and i don't think we are you know like that's that's why i think too one of the important distinctions when you you know read the gospels and acts and just make observations about the disciples it was always done in community like even when jesus pulled them aside it was yeah. like in a three year it was very rarely done in isolation and they had him who right. did know it all right who knew exactly how to teach them in a way they could receive it and but we just we need to do discipleship in community with other people um you know one of the other distinctions i guess when i think about the big shift that happened in me when I met Norman Hubbard was that he approached helping me in an apprenticeship sort of model where I would see him do things and he would show me how to do things. And then we'd try it together, whether it was like praying together or reading the scriptures or actually going out on campus and randomly, you know, sharing the gospel with people. Mm -hmm. The way we did that was I would do it or he would do it. And then we would talk about how it went and learn from it. I had just never had anyone very intentionally do that. I had had people tell me how to do things and describe them for me, which actually was very helpful. But there is a whole nother level when someone very personally and relationally says, let's go do this together. Like you should have a quiet time. Let's right. like open the Bible right now and do that. That is way different. At least for the way I'm wired, uh, it changed me. And, and then when they say to you, so the things I've been doing with you, I want you to do with other people. It's like, yeah. oh, that's right. It's not just about me. And right. yeah, it just changed the way I saw Jesus and it changed the way I saw my life and, and what should... it was supposed to be.
0: And when we belong to Jesus, there sub- should be something in that that resonates in the deepest recesses of our soul because that's verbatim what Jesus said.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Right? I, I, that is that is what he modeled. That's how he did it. And so there should be something in us when we hear about Apprenticeship, discipleship, follow with me as I follow Jesus. There should be something in us that goes. That sounds familiar, and something about that sounds right because that's how Jesus did it. And so the Jesus in us is resonating with. Yes, that is that is something significant. Um, Okay, so you said something that that's bringing me to my my last question, but I want to add. I feel like we need a footnote. In there. So, if you can imagine a little tiny one at the end of this sentence, and then you go to the bottom of your imaginary page. Um, Well, you've
1: been writing a lot of papers. I I can tell. (laughs) So many papers, Jeff. So many papers. Okay, Okay. I'm imagining the footnote. Include the bibliography (laughs) at the end of this podcast. Um,
0: The, I think it's important to to remind people that when we when we talk about things like this, or we say, you know, I went, you know, for these years, and I had these people who were who were discipling me in these other ways but but missed this aspect we are not saying we are introducing a new element that people before us did not know Mm -mm. this is something that has been going on literally since before the new testament was written this is what jesus modeled this is what what he did this is what he encouraged us to do just throughout and throughout all of church history there have always been voices who are calling us back to this, I can you can pick any century, and I can give you a name of somebody who is who is trying to call us back into this kind of understanding of discipleship and relationship with Him. And just because the church as a whole sometimes ebbs and flows in different directions and different emphases, this this idea of following Jesus and being His disciple is not new. It has been the, the consistent thread throughout all of church history that that the church keeps course correcting and coming back to as it sort of drifts in, in other emphases. I just think it's important to, to yes. acknowledge that and, and not not fall into the trap of thinking, oh, this is some new approach to Jesus. This is some novel idea. It is the opposite. It is literally going back to Jesus himself sitting around a campfire eating fish with his disciples.
1: Yeah, that's a really important point. Yeah, this isn't a, a novel thing at all. And I think if you if you would look, it, this would be. I haven't done this, so I could be totally wrong. But if you would go and, and search titles of books that have the word disciple or discipleship, probably in the last thirty years you would see an uptick. You just would mm-hmm. in quantity. There's like there's there's more books in general. But I think that church has had I think an, a reawakening in that area where it's been reemphasized. But what you find when you start studying is just what you said. Oh, well, that's right. Fifty years ago they were talking about it, and a hundred years ago they were talking about it. Right. Wait. You can go like back to like three hundred years after Christ and find examples of this in writings. Right. Yes, you can.
0: Those books are uh, quoting Augustine yes. in the year three hundred. Yes. And so this is not, or or Clement, in mm-hmm. in like the year seventy. Like so, this isn't. This isn't a new idea. Uh, it's just reminding one another hey let's let's keep first things first uh and remember what what it is that jesus actually called us to because culture and circumstances will so quickly distract us and make us think that that peripheral things are central um and like martha that doing the dishes is the most important thing right now and jesus says no no no. just just come sit at my feet remember i'm here being with me is the most important thing um so trying to listening to those voices that remind us of what Jesus actually called us to and affirmed I think is so important mm, um good point. another thing that i thought that you brought up that i thought was so important um was you you walked through a list of names a a legacy of discipleship that that landed on you and and i think it's so easy for us to overlook that um you know many of us don't have any idea what that path is. It is, is kind of a gift to be able to trace back several generations. Um, but one, one thing I wanted to kind of define, and then I wanted to hear your, your thoughts on, on just that idea. Um, when we think of generations in terms of discipleship, that is not the same thing as generations in terms of like genealogy. Like Mm -hmm. it's not, you know, grandma, grandpa, great grandpa. Um, generational discipleship can happen within just a few years, right? So yes, um, people who study these things define a discipleship movement as um, disciples making disciples, people, followers of Jesus, helping others to become followers of Jesus who help others become followers of Jesus. And in order to be defined as a discipleship movement, you have to be able to trace four generations. So I share the gospel with you you share the gospel with someone else that person shares the gospel with someone else t- to four generations and and that can happen very quickly uh, uh, a couple a couple decades ago or maybe two, maybe 15 20 years ago uh ying kai was a missionary in china um and the imb the international mission board did a study of his his work in there um over 1.7 million people came to Christ, 150,000 churches planted by his, uh, by his ministry there. Um, and one of the things that they pointed out that I thought was so astounding is in within four years, they were able to trace 18 generations of discipleship that he discipled someone to Christ who then discipled someone to Christ who then discipled someone to Christ. And and that, that generation line went 18 times within four years. So when we say generational discipleship, we don't mean like something that's happening over 20, 30, 40 years, and you're waiting for your grandkids to be born so that you can then disciple them. We're talking about you share the gospel with someone, they become a follower of Jesus, and then they help someone else become a follower of Jesus. Um, that's, that's what we're after. We're after disciples who make disciples. And you mentioned in your sermon, being on the receiving end of that, um, tell me, tell me why it was important to you to put that in the sermon and, and how, um, just, I'm just, I won't leave that. Why was that important for you to include
1: in the sermon? And there are a couple of reasons. I, I, part of it was, I was just, as I was thinking about my own, you know, discipleship, what God has done in me, how I'm still growing I just was struck by his mercy that he would go to Paul and to Max and to Vic and to Norman and that somehow he would get to me and that I could, I could have a chance to follow Jesus the way they did. So I was feeling really grateful and I wanted to describe that and, and God's love to me. And I was hoping too, that it would, that it would help other people to start imagining as well, what that is like for them. I mean, like you said, we can't all trace back. I do feel like it's a gift that I can do that, that I can look backwards and see these men helped the, this man and this man helped this man. But everyone has is on the receiving end of generations of disciples, whether we right. know exactly who or not. And I think that's something that we can all just thank God for, that 200 years ago, there was someone who responded to the love of God. Right. And follow Jesus and help someone else do that and it just kept going now what you described there of more of an accelerated turnaround I mean it's what I experienced on campus right as a campus minister I had four years with people so right. if this was going to happen it couldn't take 30 years now the whole process takes our whole life right you don't like graduate from being a disciple but the idea that you could help someone else become a disciple and then help them help someone else that doesn't take that long actually it really doesn't so I'm hoping that that for the people that already have imaginations for that it was an encouragement but then I also hope that we can just gain more and more um, just as a church family a culture where when I'm when we're interacting with each other we're kind of wondering right now in your life like who is God leading you to help and then through that person who else will be helped I think it just it makes our discipleship something we can do together but also much more profound again than just our own life the sphere is much greater it's our turn and that's the other thing i kept thinking it's our turn right now like this isn't preparing for for something this is it this is our chance to take the to take the baton maybe you want to use that like in in a relay we've got the baton and we need to keep passing it along and we can do that, you know, you can approach that also in a way that steals life, right? You can approach that in a prideful, life-stealing, legalistic way, or it can be this really life-giving, amazing thing that we get to be part of. Yeah. And that's what I know that, that we're praying, that something that even this series sparks more and more. This church has had that. We have it. We see it happening. And I think that God is calling us to see it more and more and more, Yeah. which to me is super exciting.
0: That's right. I don't I don't think it's wrong. You can take it to an unhealthy place, but I don't think it is wrong to say I, I get really excited about the idea that me pouring into two people and helping them to know how to follow Jesus and help other people follow Jesus could result in each of them sharing that with two people who then share that with two people. And that suddenly we've got in, in a fairly short time, 40 people who are impacted and transformed by the gospel because of, because of someone saying, yeah, I'll, i walk with two people in this. And, and that happens, as you said, that, that doesn't take, you don't need 20 years of maturity or a seminary degree to do that. You, you simply take exactly what you know right now. Like the, the prerequisite is, do you know, and are you following Jesus? And if you've been doing that for 15 minutes, you've got 15 minutes worth of content that you can share with somebody else. And like, yes. just starting right there, we just, you know, like Jay has been saying in the series, we unfortunately, far too often, we view making disciples as far too difficult and not very important. When when we need to flip those and say, it's actually not, it's not very complicated. And, and every single person in that church who is a follower of Jesus is capable of doing that with somebody right now, this afternoon. As you're listening to this, you can push stop and call someone and disciple them toward Jesus because you know something, you know what he has taught you at this point. Um, and, and none of us have arrived, right? So all of us are saying, all I have is what I know so far, but I, but I still have a long way to go. But would you like to be on this process with me? And then helping that other person do the same with someone else? Like that's, that's how you not only transform the culture of a church, but you transform an entire neighborhood city region state country world like that's
1: that is the jesus method it is and to me it's really important like if we approach that it's kind of odd to think that you could approach making disciples in a non-disciple way but you can so the way you're describing there is that that all of us are jesus's disciples and we're coming along each other to help each other follow him and if that's the case if he's the master then that frees us from having to have it all figured out because right. we we don't. And we actually even help each other learn how to approach a question, something that's puzzling us, from the heart of, man, I don't know, actually. He does. Let's right. go to him and figure right. this out. Let's look to him and see what this could look like at your you know work today or in your home. And I think when we have that in our mind, it's not that we are the, the sole dispenser of all the knowledge that a person needs. We are just disciples and we've experienced Jesus and we've gotten to know him in his word and we're going to help other people do that. And yeah. it's not necessarily, um, you know, a manual that you have these 50 things that you teach and then it's done. Right. It's actually a lifetime. So to me, the heart of it changes, I think, how, how much pressure a person feels or if we feel ready to do it. I don't think that most of us will ever feel like we have what other people need enough to do it. And so my encouragement to you, if that's you, um, is to just ask Jesus for confidence to be able to move forward in it, to take a step, whatever right. that is. Um, because I, I know, I don't know that most of us are ever going to feel like, yeah, we've got it figured out enough. So I feel comfortable now helping someone else, Right. Uh, well, and we depending think, on your personality. I guess. We think
0: that's the goal, right? It's, I need to get to a place where I feel confident that I have it pretty much all figured out. And I would argue that is a very dangerous place to be. Yeah, that, we don't we don't want you discipling then. <laughs> I don't want you discipling. Exactly. I don't want you discipling if you think you have this all figured out and, and you know, no one else can teach you because you have everything else nailed and you you know it all. Like that is a very dangerous place to be and, and actually reveals a lot of spiritual immaturity. So so don't convince yourself that you can't do it because you don't feel like something that I hope you never feel (laughs) like I I don't ever want to lose this sense of I have so much to learn and there's so much to grow so will you follow Jesus with me um you know it's even even Paul super Paul with his cape blown in the wind and to live (laughs) as Christ and to die as gain and you know like he's he's still saying follow me as I follow Christ like follow follow Christ with me together um and and that's that's really what this looks like. And we we understand church, that this is um, sometimes confusing, it's a little bit scary. we we really want to help demystify this for you, that it, it really is much less complicated. You really are much more equipped than you believe yourself to be and uh, and we want to help you to do that. So if you hear this and you, you have questions, please don't hesitate. Um, you can reach us at connect at faithpestigo.com. You can, uh, grab one of us on a Sunday morning. We would really love to, to walk alongside you in this, um, and, and follow Jesus together as we invite other people to follow Jesus together. Um, so thank you for listening and until next time, grace and peace to you.